episode 99 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. This is going to be a special episode, kind of an episode we've ever, actually we've never done before. Uh, We're going to be doing a fantasy football episode, considering the fact that Sam and I are going to be doing our draft on Sunday. The season's right around the corner. We're going to talk about some fantasy football, sort of what our expectations are for the season, who we're going to draft, maybe some sleepers, some top fives, um, and then we'll get into also the massive Marvel news that came out yesterday with the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that completely broke the internet and made me lose sleep last night. So, Sam, you ready to roll? Yeah, I guess so, man. I think that that trailer like changed your life, didn't it? It really did. It really did. <laughs> I, I was watching a TV show with uh, with my girlfriend Jenna, and uh, Jason sends me an all caps text message of "You need to go watch the Spider Man trailer," like yelling at me through text. And I I put my phone down, and Jenna was like, "What was that?" And I was like, "Jason's just yelling at me. He's just yelling at me right now to go watch a Spider Man trailer." <laughs> well, I mean. It's Spider-Man has been my favorite character since I was a kid. And now I'm always going to be loyal to to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man because that's that was my Spider-Man when I was a kid. Um, but I loved Andrew Garfield too. He was really good, and I really liked Tom as well. Um, and there have been there's been a lot of speculation that you know all three of them are going to be in this movie, and the odds went up with that trailer. I'm um, and if. Uh, if Toby comes back and he's and he's wearing the Spider-Man suit and he's playing that character again, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. If for me, that would just be enough for the price of admission just to see him back and playing that role again. That'd probably yeah. make you cry. Well, dude, like, and the two villains, the two best villains, um, William Defoe is Green Goblin, and then uh, Doc Hawk, whose name. I'm not Alfred Molina. That's his name. Um, playing Doc Ock, having both of them back. I mean, they've been the best out of all of the Spider-Man movies that have come out collectively. Those two have been the best two villains, uh, in my opinion, hands down without a question. So to have them back um, and to see them interacting with Tom and, you know, maybe the other guys again, that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. So I'm really excited for the movie, but we'll get into that uh, a little more later. Mm-hmm. So NFL fantasy is obviously going to be in full swing along with the NFL season plays a big part of it. Actually, I didn't get into fantasy until like two years ago. Sam had an open spot in the league that him and his buddies um, from school were in and I finally joined and I got hooked immediately. Um, and I'm more excited for this season than I was even last season. I don't know if you're feeling the same way, Sam, but I'm, I'm super excited. Oh, dude, I can't wait. I, we've talked about it a little bit, but I think this year, um, I don't know. I guess it seems like production's going up a lot. So you could, you really seems like whatever team you get, you have a chance of winning. And uh, it just seems like now that we have, I have a couple of years under, under my belt. You have now that one year. Now it's kind of seems like you have a little more answers to some of those questions you have going in. And I'm just, I'm just excited to put a team out there on Sunday and see what happens. Yeah, this is this would be my third year with you guys. I I was in the semis last year. I made a a vast improvement from my first year. 
um, was a little bit more gamesmanship this uh, last year. So I'm ready for this one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And we got a lot to talk about with this because, I mean, fantasy is obviously a huge thing for a lot of people. And you and I were looking at, you know, the main positions that are going to be drafted, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. We could get into the tight end position later. Because it's pretty weak, but I, I made a top five of the tight ends, but it's pretty, it's pretty slim pickings. Right. It's top heavy. You know, it's very, it's very top heavy with like the first three. It's a three horse race. Yeah. And then you kind of, uh, you kind of pick, you know, whoever, whoever's left after that, if you don't get one of the top three, um, my quarterback, running back, wide receiver, before we get into our top fives for each of those positions and then some sleepers, I think for me, just on initial reaction, I was looking at the quarterbacks Mm -hmm. and I was like, there are, there's like at least 12, 13, 14, 15 quarterbacks that if you don't get one of the big guns right out the gate, that you will be totally fine with. The quarterback, mm-hmm. the quarterbacks this year in terms of fantasy is really deep, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I was wholeheartedly agree. I made a little – I'm going to make a little top ten. I made a top ten for for each of the positions um, just because I just couldn't stop. That's right. truthfully, truthfully what happened. Um, I wanted to get the full picture. I felt like five wasn't enough, but I know you did five. Um, I, I but, did do I did do five, yes. But just looking at my, my top tens for the quarterbacks, I mean, you could seriously – I think even top 15 of the quarterbacks, if you get any of them, you, you're in a spot where you could win your league. Like they're yeah. all putting up 20-plus points per week. Right, and I, I was crunching. I was crunching some numbers because um, I was just trying to add up their scores from last season. Yeah, did that for me. <laughs> but I was just totaling. I was just totaling like the the points like throughout the end of the season, mm-hmm. um, based on like because you know like somebody like Mahomes and Rogers, they might they might break the bar a little bit just in the sense that they may have, you know, a five, six, seven touchdown game in there. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the season, what kind of matters is, you know, once the 17 games are over, what was, what was the total points that the quarterbacks sort of added up to? Mm -hmm. And I was looking at a lot of the quarterbacks and, you know, even guys who were lower on the list were still up right around the 300 mark for for points um just mm-hmm. to give you an example like kyler murray right now on the nfl fantasy app projected as the second quarterback for this season he finished with 378 points um but a guy like Tannehill may not you know look on surface Tannehill's the guy that i he finished with 344. He was just like 30 behind. It's one of those things where, you know, again, you may not look at Ryan Tannehill as the guy who you want, but I think if you get Tannehill, you are, just as an example, you're set. Yeah, You're set at the quarterback position. And it's just one of those things where he probably isn't somebody who comes to mind right away, you know. So, yeah, the class is really deep. Yeah, it's just – I think that's it that we touched on it. We've touched on it now a couple of times, but I think just all, all three of these position groups that we're going to talk about 
15, 20 deep, maybe. Except yeah. maybe the quarterback, but 15, 20 deep. I think the this running the running backs this year, you could realistically have two number one running backs that you can pencil in as getting you 15 to 20 points every single week. And mm-hmm. I think every single team in a league, in a 10-person league, can have that. So I think that's yeah. just – it's a bit – it's going to be a lot of points scored this year. Um, and now hopefully injuries will be – less that we have a regular training camp, a regular um, off-season. Guys can maybe rest a little more now that we have a longer uh, one more game. So then maybe there's a little less, a little more room for for error there. As there's a lot of different scenarios that can happen that can work out really well for fantasy owners this year. Yeah. Agreed. So let's get right into it. Which position group do you want to start with first? Hey, it all starts with the quarterback, man. It all starts with the quarterback. So you have a top 10 list. So why don't you go through your 10 through 6, sort of break yeah, that so down let me, a little bit. So I was just – as we were talking, I was just jotting down guys that I thought – I actually got to 13, okay? Oh, 13 guys that I think if you had them, you'd be pretty comfortable. Maybe a little bit is of stress. This, I think it's 12 that you'd be really comfortable with having. Now, is this in any specific order? I have It to is. Ask. Yeah, okay. it is. All right, cool, perfect. So I have uh, 13, I have Kirk Cousins. I think he's an odd one because he puts up a lot of points. He had two wide receivers last year within the top 10 in scoring. So obviously he's putting up a lot of production for those guys to get high up there. And last year he ranked ranked 11th last year in total points. And they're going to be more of the same this year with a pretty mediocre defense, and they're going to be in some shootouts this season. And Kirk is really fighting for his job, I think, this year. That they might, if he struggles this year and doesn't get that team into the playoffs, they might be looking for a new quarterback solution. Mm-hmm. So I think 13 with Kirk Cousins is a big one. And like you said, man, he put up he put up over 300 points last year. And that's at the right. 13 position. Mm-hmm. 12, I have Stafford. I know you're very high on Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's going into a – a new system with an offensive-centric head coach with a bunch of weapons, Robert Wood, Cooper Cup. Uh, don't they have a tight end? What was that tight end's name? Tyler Higby? Don't they still have Tyler Higby? Oh, yeah, yeah. And just a really creative offensive mind in Sean McVay. Like, he is going to score points this year. I just don't, There's a little bit of uncertainty because there might be a filling-out process with being into a new system, but the guy everyone says is super talented, and he's at number 12. So if you if you start your year and you draft Matthew Stafford, you're you're happy. You're beaming from year to year. Then I have Brady at eleven, still putting up points, put ups, put up probably more of an explosive offensive display in Tampa Bay than we've seen him in recent years from New England. So that should continue as they they return most of their starters. They still have Godwin, still have Evans, still have Gronk, still have Antonio Brown, still have Fournette and. Uh, Ronald Jones, like that offense is still loaded with a good offensive line. Brady should have success again this year. A guy that always has success and puts up a lot of numbers at 10 is Matt Ryan. He's got a new toy on Kyle Pitts. He's got Calvin Ridley. Uh, Russell Gage is a good option as well. I think he'll find a way to still put up points. It might take a little bit of a downturn, but Matt Ryan's always a good pick in fantasy. Then at nine, what's up? What's up? I was just saying, I had Russell Gage last year too, and there were a handful of times when I looked down at the uh, and just kind of who was who was balling out. It wasn't every game, but he was he was good like every other week for 
for for at least like ten points, which for the where you'd be drafting him is perfect. Yeah, with that volume of offense that they have, which is so pass heavy, because they they had limited run success last year. It was so pass, pass, pass that guys were getting options, especially with uh, Julio. I think he was he was injured and he wasn't really a a touchdown option last year, or he wasn't getting touchdowns. So there was a lot up for grabs for other guys. I think now that he's leaving, there's going to be a lot of guys that can fill into that role. Uh, former league MVP of two years ago, Lamar Jackson at nine. He took a bit of a downturn last year where he was the number one QB scorer in 2019, and then 2020 was ranked at 10. So it kind of seems like the league sort of figured him out. But like Kyler Murray, he gives you the dual threat of getting passing touchdowns and the big-time running attack with rushing yards accounting for more points and rushing touchdowns accounting for more points. So he's always a good option. It's tough, though, when good defenses figure out, and they sort of tend to shut him down, though. But he usually gets to that 17-point range, even if he's struggling. At eight, I have Rodgers, league MVP last year. This is more of a sentiment to the guys above him, I think, are just going to have crazy good years because Rodgers is going to have – a great year again. I don't know if he's going to put up 48 touchdowns. I think it was that he put up last year. What was it? It was for, yeah. 48 touchdowns that he did last year. I think that that number is probably going to go down closer to 38, 37 ish where he's going to play a little bit smarter. Uh, I think he's still going to put up a lot of points and who would, who would not want Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback every single week. Yeah. Seven. I have Justin Herbert. This dude, if he played the whole year, would have been up there in the top five. So I think there's no there's no way that he doesn't find a way to be into that upper echelon of QBs this year, just like at number seven. Uh, Russell Wilson, top five point getter for the QB position this last season. I think he's going to be right up yeah, there again. <laughs> he was. <laughs> He, he, he allowed you to have, uh, what, Drew Brees on the bench most of the year, right? Yeah, and then when Brees got hurt, I had to go back to Carr, which I was fine with, by the way. I'll get to that later. But Wilson was putting up a lot. He puts up. Yeah, Wilson he was, was nuts. When there was the let Wilson eat time. Uh, let's, let Russ cook or something like yeah, that. Yeah, let, let Russ cook. That's when he was putting up, what, close to 30, 35 yeah, points a was, week. And it, it was, was ballistic. So this guy just goes on runs. So there's some weeks where he gets he gets a little little cool down, but when you have guys like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Chris Carson, like he's going to put up a lot of points. Why? Well, I, I is, was first in the league last year because of him for a while. Like that yeah. through, the, through the first six weeks, he cooled down, and I eventually dropped back a little bit. But through that first six weeks, he was like it wasn't even close, and it was because of him. Yeah, I think after after we do the our top five list, I think we should we should have a discussion about what it means to have. Does it is it really important to have like an upper echelon top five quarterback, or does it does it even should you focus more on other positions? But we can talk about that after. Yeah. So at five, I think right, this guy's go. gonna. Have, I hope this is this is a hot take, Jason. We we talked about doing a hot take segment. Yeah, this is a little little precursor. I think Jameis Winston is going to put up top five QB numbers this year. I'm glad you said that. I'm re- I agree with you. <laughs> I am glad you said that. I'll get to that in a second, but I'm glad you said that. 
Because I was looking at the 2019, which 2019 was the last year that he started a full season. He was ranked third in points at the QB's, QB position. And now he's playing in a – you go from, I guess, a Bruce Arians offense to a Sean Payton offense. It's going to be the same or better. And he's got Michael Thomas. He's got Alvin Kamara. Like, this offense should be running crazy. And he's playing well in preseason. The guy, he looks comfortable. He got to sit a year behind Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best quarterback minds of all time. He should have a big year in New Orleans. I love that. I love that. And I'm I glad you do. I, agree. I thought it was going to be a little bit of a limp. I think at number four, I think Dak is going to re- return to that big time numbers. It's going to be a lot like what those first three games were last year, where he was just putting up 300 plus yards, three plus touchdowns. Cause this team is going to be in shootouts every single game against any single opponent. So he's going to put up crazy yards. Plus think about the weapons that he has. He has Amari Cooper, CD lamb and Michael Gallup. Then he's got uh, the t- two tight ends. It was uh, Jarwin and um, was it Shulk? And then Zeke. Like th- this, this Dallas Cowboys offense is loaded. Hopefully, he's going to be healthy enough after this whole uh, shoulder surgery, shoulder not surgery, shoulder injury going on that's limiting him in the preseason and limiting him in practice. And hopefully, coming off of that uh, ankle injury, there won't be lingering effects. But I think he will get to this a point where he's playing just like he was for the majority of the season, putting up a lot of points. All righty. Next, uh, the next three are, I mean, are no surprise. I think it's all like, it's not even personal. Yeah. It's not not even personal preference. It's just like, you can't really be wrong with any of these three. I think I have Murray at three, Mahomes at two and Josh Allen at one. Right. Um, so read me read me your top five again from five to so, one. So five, I have Winston, Dak, Murray, Mahomes, and Allen. Okay, so our top fives are a little bit different. Um, and the, the way that I made my lists, I made them so like if I, if I was drafting what quarter, quarterbacks like in order am I kind of like looking for? Uh-huh. Well, that same thing with that's determined on what place you're drafting them, though. Absolutely, and it's also who's available and whatnot. But you know, just in terms of like where I would rank them in terms of like my want list. Mm -hmm. So, I think yeah, one, two, and three are for me. Rogers, I put Rogers as one. I put it. No, well, I when it comes to like Mahomes, Rogers, and Allen, because those are my top three. I Mm -hmm. think that. Honestly, those are like one A, one B, one C. Truthfully, um, yeah. So I, I'm, I, yeah. It's just kind of, I, I wouldn't be. I don't think anybody would be mad with either one of those. So four and five for me. I put Wilson up there just because, and maybe this is a little biased because I had him last year and I saw what he was doing. Um, but I mean, he's good for he's good for twenty plus points pretty much every week. And then every once in a while, he'll throw in a 30-bomb or a 40-bomb like he did last yeah. year. I don't expect him to necessarily start off the same way that he did, like that supernova that he did at the beginning of last year. But he's in terms of like a safe quarterback bet, he's always, he's always going to be a good pickup. 
And then I put Ryan Tannehill as at. I would not be mad at all if I got Ryan Tannehill. And I was looking back at this year on fantasy. He was he was a monster last year. I already read you how many stats. Um, I mean, how many points he put up last year. But I mean, he they added Julio Jones, and they still have AJ Brown. I know they lost um, Corey Davis. Yeah, Corey Davis and John o. Smith. So mm-hmm. I, I get that. But at the same time, when you add Julio Jones, you still have A.J. Brown. The run is going to be really heavy for Tennessee. We already know that, which is going to open up a lot in the past game, as it did last year. Ryan Tannehill is, for me, somebody who I would for sure be on the lookout for if he's still available whenever you want to draft your quarterback. And I put, I put some sleepers. So – this isn't a part of like a top 10 list, but this is if you're really trying to draft a quarterback, maybe later, some guys who I think you can watch. At. So I put, I put Winston there. Mm-hmm. Mine immediately. Um, if it New Orleans. All right. Like a lot. <laughs> if the preseason game, you know, if you take any stock in the preseason game that he just had, the 9 for 10, like 120-plus yards and two touchdowns, mm-hmm. if that is what you're – that's what New Orleans is going to get from Jameis Winston, then he's going to put up extremely good numbers. And like you mentioned, you know, when he played his full season, he was third. Yeah. You know? he had, I mean, people forget, I think, that he had 5,000 pass yards and 30-plus mm-hmm. touchdowns. I know he had 30-plus mm-hmm. interceptions, but I think with the type of offense that New Orleans is running, you know, we watched Drew Brees, you know, just – and Drew Brees is a different animal than Jameis Winston. But if Jameis was able to take anything from Drew and that style of offense, it's a very quarterback-friendly offense in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would imagine that – Jameis Winston is going to cut down those turnovers drastically. I think learning behind Drew Brees is going to help him a lot, and I think it's going to show. I really, really hope he does well this year. I yeah. really do. Um, I put Matthew that'd be a, Stafford. That'd be a nice story. It's a nice comeback story yeah. for a guy that couldn't get a job and then finds his way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I put Matthew Stafford. He, and I've heard this uh, a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised if midway through the season you're hearing Stafford talks as like a potential like a dark horse kind of MVP candidate. Seriously, seriously, mm-hmm. you think about you think about the offense that the Rams run and how quarterback friendly that is with the play action. Stafford is a great quarterback, and he's finally with a really good organization with talent around him and a great coach. Same thing with Winston. If it goes right in L.A., Matthew Stafford is going to be right there with the elite quarterbacks in the league in terms of – if we're just talking about fantasy and in general. Mm-hmm. Right there. So another sleeper that I put – again, this is a big, a big sleeper pick, but one that I could see working out potentially in the long run. Mm-hmm. Again, this is if you're drafting late, late. Uh, Jalen Hurts. So I looked back at his last year's um, when he really got the start. In his four games, 
in terms of fantasy points, at least on the NFL app, he had 19, 37, 18, and 16. So not mind-blowing numbers, but I feel like Hertz is probably, I mean, after last year, he showed signs that he could be a really good quarterback in this league. He's got also the ability to run just like somebody like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. He is in that stratosphere for being able to run with the ball. So that's an added bonus to drafting Hertz. I do think with the new head coach and the way that the Eagles are going, that they're moving in the right direction. They may not have the most weapons in the Devontae league. Smith. But yeah, Devontae Smith is there now. Yeah, uh, but – and, you know, Zach Ertz is there too, but it's tough. Uh, Travis, Travis Fulgram, I think he played really well last year. He did play really well. They don't have a ton of, like, big, big name. I mean, again, Devontae Smith looks like he's going to be really good, but obviously he's an unknown, just like Jalen Hurts. So, again, when you're drafting him, you're drafting a little bit of an unknown, so you're really drafting, I think, with the idea of this is a kind of a risk-reward kind of play, but if you're drafting late for a quarterback, mm-hmm. he could be a sneaky pick as well. So I got, a, I, got a, I got a question, Jason. Yeah. What should fantasy owners do about Deshaun Watson this year? I wouldn't bank on it. Because you'd think that he would be – obviously, if he was playing – then, you know, he would be near the top. If not, maybe number one. I don't know. He's. Um, I think every, like the last three years, he's been a top five fantasy point producer. Yeah. But I just, I wouldn't bank on it because you just, there's so much stuff going on around him right now that if something really, I mean, I shouldn't say really negative because there's a lot of really negative stuff goes on around him. But I guess if a really bad punishment comes his way in the middle of the season and you spent a really high draft pick on Deshaun, mm-hmm. then you're then you're kind of you're kind of screwed. So I don't know. Is maybe that, if is that risk worth it? it? I don't think so. And at least that's the way that I would if I was like in my draft, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even look at him. Because I don't even think Tennessee is or Tennessee. I don't even think Houston is looking to play him at all. Well I don't even know if he's is resolved. To play for True. Anymore, so. True. All right. So I have another one. Mm. I, I think we both agree. I, I don't think Watson's worth touching. I mean, is the, the the potential like the potential high is so huge, but that risk is so so huge. Oh, and don't like, sleep on my boy Derek. Oh, yeah, top so, fifteen last so year. We, as can, well. we can talk about him later. But Carson Wentz. Where would yeah. Carson Wentz be in your head? Fully healthy, he'd be near the top, right? He'd be one of those guys where you'd, where you would definitely say he's near the top. But again, what you're drafting? First of all, he's hurt right now, and I he's heard active. a report. Right, I heard a report from ESPN saying that the foot injury and the surgery went really well, and that he's coming back uh, much sooner rather than later. And yeah. I think you just fully active. Well, he was participating in practice. Yeah, because him and Quentin Nelson were both out with the same injury. Yeah, and they're both back. Um, yeah, a lot sooner than anybody had expected. Again, who knows how long that's going to linger. That's the same reason why I didn't put Dak on my list either. Because with his shoulder injury right now <coughs> and him coming back from 
the catastrophic leg injury that he had. Mm-hmm. Again, you never know with those. It, it could be, I mean, I hope for Wentz's sake and for Dak that everything works out fine. But again, you're drafting somebody who right now, Carson Wentz just came off of a surgery. Dak has got a shoulder problem and he's coming off of a leg injury as well. Who knows? There could be some early season rust for them. And if you want to get off to a good start, maybe it takes Dak or Carson, you know, a couple of weeks to get fully situated back into game mode. Maybe not. Who knows? And like I said, for their sake, I hope they're right back immediately. If Carson Wentz is fully healthy, he's probably going to be near the top. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me in the, in the, in the slightest. <laughs> in the slightest. Um, so what do you want to say about Derek Carr? I'm just going to say, I mean, last year he was uh, 13th in terms of points. And if, again, if you're looking to draft a quarterback late, um, he was good for at least right here on average, about 17 points a game. Um, and then he had a couple higher point games in there uh, as well. But again, if you're looking to draft late, don't forget about Derek. So, Or just, he'll probably most likely be available during the week so you can pick him up on a bye week. Okay, well, let's be realistic here. Whatever. <laughs> Wide receivers or running backs? No, no, no. One more, one more thing I want to ask. Oh God! So we have we've been talking about. I mean, looking at this list, it is twelve deep, twelve to fourteen guys deep that realistically yeah. could be drafted. If we're talking about a fifteen-team league in fantasy or something like that, but if it, if it's a ten-team league, the top the ten quarterbacks drafted, you're all going to be happy about. Is there? Yeah a super big need to draft QBs early. We've talked about the top three. You even, you even want to add Rogers into that, but those Allens, Rogers, Murray, Mahomes, even Wilson in there. Is it that important to get those guys into your team early and maybe sacrifice some depth in your lineup to get those four guys? Or are you willing to wait for, your Herberts, Jacksons, Tannehills, uh, Cousins, and Staffords, a couple, maybe a round, a couple rounds later. What do you think? I, for me, and, you know, in terms of my strategy, I would go later. I don't think I would sacrifice depth. I mean, I would probably think about looking for a quarterback between, like, I don't know, round six and eight, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I mean, what about you? I don't know what your strategy is for the the draft, but um, I I, don't... I I like going running back heavy. So I've gone I've gone QB. I went QB early last year. I, I took uh, Lamar in the second round, which oh, hindsight okay. that was a mistake. <laughs> right. But that was because the year before he was the best quarterback in the league, and he took me to a to the championship game and ended up losing. But that was what I was working with. I was like, oh, I got to get Lamar. Because I knew how important he was. Like, he right. was willing me to winning on weeks. So I think it really is important to get – like, if, if Josh Allen's available in the second round, I might have to go for him. I don't think he will. I mean, Mahomes available in the second round. But I've put Jameis Winston and Dak Prescott in the top five. They yeah. are going to be available They'll be later. There. They They'll are going to be, be way late. Like, but I don't know if I could bring myself to go all in on Jameis Winston. I would have to know for sure he's starting week one. <laughs> right. So that's a little bit up in the air. But if he's starting week one, what could I wait for a Herbert? Totally. Maybe. 
but do I know that Brendan, a friend of this show, is going to draft Justin Herbert probably with his first round pick? Maybe. <laughs> so let me so let know. me let me let me ask you, and we can we can sort of have draft strategy right here a little bit. What quarterback are you going for? Like, who's the guy that you want? Oh, I don't know. I don't want Lamar this year because I just because I've had him the last two years. I, I need a little variety. I'm not going to draft Jimmy G. <laughs> I'm not going to draft Trey Lance. Um, I don't know. I don't know who I want to get. I'm telling you, the guys who I am looking at right now, because I don't plan on drafting super early, unless for whatever reason, like Allen falls to like the third round or something like that. Some some big name falls to the third round. Um, but I'm assuming they're not going to. Um I'm looking at Tannehill and I'm looking at Stafford. Those are like the two guys who are Tannehill, Stafford, mm-hmm. and Herbert. I'm mm-hmm. kind of looking at. And I, again, I don't think Herbert's going to be there because I think you're right. I think um, Brendan's going to take him immediately. Or Bryson. Um, Bryson loved Justin Herbert too. Can you hear me, by the way? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about even like a Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan is such a good fantasy quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And Atlanta might not win. But he's going to put up great – even like a guy like uh, Big Ben. I was going to just about to say, Roethlisberger looked really, really good in that preseason game. And mm-hmm. you got to think that with Najee, uh, with Najee Harris opening up maybe the run game for them mm-hmm. a lot more, that there's going to be a lot more open for Ben. Well, and he's got, he's got weapons out the wazoo. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Washington, Johnson, Juju, and uh, Claypool. Mm-hmm. With they still have Ebron, right? Uh, let me check on that. Still, like that team is, was loaded in the weapons. Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, he's still there. So, yeah, I mean, I I'm looking I'm looking to go a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm eyeing people like Stafford, Tannehill, and yeah, Stafford and Tannehill. Because I don't think the guys in our league are. I don't think anybody's sitting there wanting to go get Tannehill um, or Stafford. I think people have – because I don't know if anybody's really going to take that close of a look at him. I know that Julio Jones is probably going to take – you know, is going to factor in a little bit um, for maybe some people. But I'm really banking on the fact that people are going to ignore Tannehill and Stafford. So the the hesitancy that I have with Ryan Tannehill is it's Derrick Henry's offense – and then you go to Ryan Taylor. Like, Derrick Henry is going to get his. He's going to get his 20-plus rushes a game. Yeah. And Tannehill has lost his tight end who had – gave him a lot of touchdown production. And, I mean, Corey Davis leaving. It's just an, it's just an option that he lost. Yes, he, he yeah. got Julio. But that's t- we're, we got an aging Julio. We don't know really what we're getting from – and – Julio's had some injury, like lower body injuries over the last couple of years that have really limited his production. It, I don't know what's going to – and this is another part. They're in the weakest division in football. Well, one of the weakest divisions in football. Just, yeah. just behind the N- NFC East, right? They're playing Houston and Jacksonville four times a year. Are they going to blow those teams out and then he doesn't really get a lot of production? out? Like is Derrick Henry going to – put up three straight touchdown, three straight red zone touchdowns on the first three drives. And then it's like, well, we're not, we're not really going to throw the ball anymore. Like there's that potential really. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
But you do you, man. But, um, but I mean, last year, like I'm looking at his stats last year. I mean, Houston, you know, he had 28 points. He had a game against Indy where it was 10 and 19, and then Jacksonville it was 16, and then Houston again it was 28. Um, but that was against Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. That's very true. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see when it rolls around because obviously it all depends on who's available. So, yeah, totally. I'm uh, so excited. I love drafting. I know. Drafting is the best part of the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so, you want to go to right, uh, running backs? I was about to say, let's roll into some running backs here. Um, so, let's get through your uh, top. Did you make a 10 for this? Yeah, I made 10. All right, get through 10 and 6 real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll both do our 1 through 5s. Do you want me to elaborate on why I put them where or no? Oh, let's do a li- like a little one, yeah. How about, how, about, how about I'll say something, and then you just let me know if you want to hear why. Okay, yeah. Like a All surprise right. one maybe? Okay, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's you. All right, so number 10. And after I go through the whole list, I'll say like who missed out because this is – the running back position is, like I said, like 20 deep. Yeah. That you'd be pretty happy with. So, number 10, I had David Montgomery. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Nine, I had James Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I put him as a sleeper for me, yeah. Eight, I had Zeke. Oh, okay. So, you didn't put him near the top. I Neither did I. So, we're kind of along the same thought process. Why did you put him and not in the top five? I think that might be a surprise for some people. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Guy just called me out of the blue, so nice. <laughs> so I didn't know. Um, so he was nine last year. I think last year was a pretty wide open running back pool because you had uh, McCaffrey and Barkley both get injured, and you had Carson getting injured. So really, there was a lot of opportunity for guys to get up into that that top ten. And Zeke had by far his worst year as a pro. So I think coming, I think he's going to have a better year than that, right? Because he's he's coming in slimmer. He looks better. There's a better. There's like a more positive feel coming into this training camp. Uh, so I think, and he's going to have a way better quarterback play. So that's going to be a little more balanced offense. A lot less eight man looks going against Zeke, right? So I think he's going to be a lot better this year, but not better. And up into that where we where his name value I think puts for a lot of people into that top five running backs. I don't think he's going to be a top five producer this year. Interesting. And then seven, I had Aaron Jones. Okay, that's really low for Aaron Jones. Why did you put him so low? Um, I think it's more just because the guys above I think are are like league winners. They could win you leagues pretty much. And they – I so I had Aaron Jones last year. And he put up – he put he, he had a misleading amount of points, right? Because there was mm-hmm. one week where he put up 42, I think it was. And then there, he would follow that with less than 10s in the next couple weeks. And then he would go for 20. And then he would go for less than 10. Like there was right. always that inconsistency with Aaron Jones – and in an offense where Aaron Rodgers is the end-all, be-all, and they had they were they were a playoff team that really wanted to keep Aaron Jones healthy, so they mixed in Jamal Williams and um, I think it was just Jamal Williams. 
last year into more serious. Like he wasn't getting as many attempts and as many snaps as he usually did. So I think that was a big reason why and I don't really see that changing either. So I think that's really what limits Aaron Jones in my eyes, but he's still going to get his, he's still going to, he's still an explosive player. Right. Hey, before you continue, I have to ask, do we know our draft order yet? No, we don't. Okay. Cause I'm looking at our uh, app right now and I was going to say it has standings right now, but I don't know. Um, you know, obviously we're all O and O, but I don't. I didn't know if that played into what the order was. No, I think so. we um, last year we learned like fifteen minutes before I think the draft or something like that. Right. I was going to say because if that's the case, you're drafting third, <laughs> but that's not. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So six, I have Austin Eckler. Okay. Okay. A little low, but okay. Uh, five, I have Nick Chubb. Okay, yeah, I think I think that's no surprise for most people. Four, I have Derrick Henry. Yeah. Three, I have Cook. Okay. Two, I have Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And then one, I have Alvin Kamara. So our top five, I think, is exact. Well, actually, no, I don't think it's the same because you put Austin <laughs> Eckler outside the the top five, right? Yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. So mine went uh, Kamara, McCaffrey, Cook as like one, two, three. Yeah. Um. And honestly, rotate those however much you want. Dalvin Cook last year single-handedly like got me as far uh, into the playoffs as I got. He was mm-hmm. an absolute monster. Austin Eckler last year, I was looking him up for a big portion yeah. of last season, um, mm-hmm. which prohibited his, um, you know, score total at the end of the season. So I, but I went back and I tried to look at the game play and once he was 23 10 23 11 15 17 and then his first three games of the season was 9 18 and 31 with him you're also getting you know just catches out of the backfield as well mm-hmm. um i mean last year he <clears throat> he only rushed for 530 yards but he uh caught 403 yards as well and, and how many games? three reception yards as well and he, yeah, he missed one, two, three, four, five, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six games. Yeah. Okay. So you had about 900 yards of offensive production while missing, you know, a significant chunk of the season. So I put Eckler in my <clears throat> top five because if he's healthy all year, he's going to get you a lot of points. And obviously Derrick Henry is in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sleepers, I put James Robinson as well he was in your top 10 so i put him as a sleeper as if you're maybe can get a running back a little bit later um something from the blinds just fell what the um, hell was that <laughs> it sounded um, like you were clapping no 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 it was the <clears throat> um you know the cord on the side when you're lifting your blinds yeah yeah yeah, I just moved it and it fell out of my hands. Um, so James Robinson, I put there as well. I think with Trevor Lawrence, especially if the offensive line isn't going to be great at protecting him, which he's gotten clobbered a few times this preseason, then you're going to lean heavily on the run game to try to open some stuff up for Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence. So I would imagine James Robinson is going to get a lot of work. Nick Chubb, he, I put him. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, James Robinson, he he was a big time threat out of the backfield catching the ball. Especially for that offense, like what you said, they didn't have a lot of time 
to wait for stuff to develop downfield. So Gardner Minshew would just dump down or whoever the quarterback was for Jacksonville the last half of the season would dump it down to Robinson. That's how he got a lot of his points last year. And he would turn those, say, like a two-yard screen pass into a 30-yard touchdown. And it was like, whoa, this guy's putting up crazy numbers and he's not getting a lot of rushing yards. Right. Yeah, the um, so I put Nick Chubb in as a sleeper, and the reason why I put him in as a sleeper, um, not because I think he's going to fall, but because I wonder if there's going to be hesitancy from some people to draft him because there's kind of a dual running back situation going on in Cleveland mm-hmm. with him and Kareem Hunt. I could see that being at least playing into why he may fall a little bit in the draft. I don't expect mm-hmm. him to be there for long, but maybe not like a first round running back kind of draft pick. Mm-hmm. I still look, I looked up his numbers. He still had a thousand rushing yards last year. Even well, with missing, Hunt still there. Missing four games too. Yeah, exactly. So I, if Nick Chubb is available, honestly, you could, you could justify making him one of your top picks out of your first two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only put him in as a sleeper just because I think when you're thinking of running backs, you think of Kamara, McCaffrey, Cook, Eckler, Henry. Nick Chubb was right there with everybody else. And like Sam said, he missed like four games. Um, and then I put uh, Najee Harris in there as well. With Big Ben coming back, again, Big Ben is a little bit older, um, which is fine. He can still sling it. Um, but in order to really open up that offense, they're going to need a really good uh, run game and think about think about when Le'Veon Bell was there how much they leaned on their star running back that Pittsburgh offense when he was there they have mm-hmm. another star running back who can also catch the ball out of the backfield so if he gets anywhere close to the amount of work that Le'Veon Bell got then he's going to be really good um, mm-hmm. for the Steelers as well so I put him in as a sleeper only because he's a rookie and we really have no idea but I'm basing it on the way that Pittsburgh handled the Le'Veon Bell situation with how much offense of load that he got when he was there. So again, mm-hmm. if Najee Harris is anywhere close to that, then it'll be a good pick. So. Yeah. I think other guys that I had um, Antonio Gibson of Washington really came on last year. Yeah. He had that breaking out game in uh, Thanksgiving. He was really good for me last year. Uh, DeAndre Swift. This he's a guy with a lot of talent, just a really poor supporting guest around him and a really like that is a huge risk to put in your lineup each week because they could Detroit could just get dominated by their opponents and it really isn't DeAndre Swift's fault, but he could just get locked up because there's nothing else around him. So that's a that's another tough one. Uh, Chris Carson, there's no reason that he can have a great year. It, a lot of injury history with him, uh, mm-hmm. which could be some hesitancy. But if he's your RB two or even an RB three each week. That's a great option. Uh, Jonathan Taylor coming into this, his uh, sophomore year, I think he's he's primed to have another good year. Hopefully he gets a little more involved in the passing side of their offense. Uh, Naheem Hines really was the catalyst for the running back position of the Colts, and he had a lot of success at fantasy, scoring a lot of uh, points just based off of getting those catches and being so active in the passing tech, it'd be great to see Jonathan Taylor really become that three down back. And then Saquon Barkley could come back and have just be the same. He could be the same explosive player. It's going to be so pivotal for 
the Giants to take that next step if they're not so certain about Daniel Jones, which reports are that he's not looking that good, then they're going to need Saquon Barkley to come back and be that explosive back. This is interesting because this team is a little better now than it was, say, two years ago that, that when we saw Saquon because he really only played one game last year. So really yeah. two years ago is the, was when we saw Saquon. And this team's significantly better than those than two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then your boy Josh Jacobs. We don't really know what he's going to look like with Kenyon Drake in the same backfield, but I think he's still going to be the number one back in that backfield. I yeah. So that's one thing I was going to mention. So if I didn't mention, um, I didn't mention him right off the back, and you know I, I love Josh, and I had him as my number one running back last year. Um, Cause I think I took, no, I, Oh, he was my number two. I took cook first. I took cook first and then I immediately went for Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he served me really well last year. He had another thousand yard season. Um, but the only reason why I didn't put him in again was because of, you know, Kenyon Drake, the whole Drake and Josh backfield um, now. Uh, with, with Is that what people them. are saying? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, so Kenyon Drake was a really good running back last year in Arizona and it was all right. Well, I mean, he was, (laughs) what he, what he is, is he's a very good, um, second option. And if, if Josh, if Josh ends up, whatever is going to happen with, um, them is yet to be seen, obviously, but I can imagine that Josh's touches are probably going to go down a little bit more, uh, just to kind of keep him healthy in that Mm -hmm. sense. Uh, I mean, Josh can be a three down back. He catches passes out of the backfield all the time. He's a good blocker. He's a very good running back. Um, but I would imagine just to kind of keep him fresh, because what they did last year was they saved him a lot for the fourth quarter um, for like the late third quarter and fourth quarter. Uh, they gave a lot of run to their other running backs and were really trying to save him. Uh, it seemed like now he was dealing with some nagging injuries last year. He never really sat out. Um but I swear he was always questionable last year uh, going into each week. So I would imagine that Kenyon Drake is going to be there to take some load off of Josh Jacobs. So that way he's fresh and explosive uh, entire game, as opposed to just the beginning and the end. So uh, obviously I think Josh is more than worth it to have on your team, uh, but don't pick him early just because Drake is there now. So, but I, I still definitely would go for him as like your, maybe your number two or definitely your number three. So, yeah, he'll, I right. don't think he'll be there to be a number three. So, probably not. Probably not. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the uh, wide receivers. All right. I did another top ten. Sorry. Right. Um, no, ten. I, ten. I had Michael Thomas injured all last year. He's getting hopefully a good Jameis Winston. So he will probably return to pretty good numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine. I had Keenan Allen. Yeah. Eight. I had Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Seven. I had DK. Yeah. Six. I had Allen Robinson. Hopefully, for Allen Robinson owners, Justin Fields takes over earlier rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. Five, I had DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. Four, I had Hill. Three, I had Calvin Ridley. 
which yep. Calvin Ridley is taking over all those targets and all those all that production that Julio Jones is leaving. Calvin Ridley is getting all of that. So he's going to be a monster. Two, I had Stefan Diggs. In one, I had Devontae Adams again. He's Aaron Rodgers' like best friend almost. The amount of targets that he was getting was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I <clears throat> so I think with uh, with everything that you just said, uh, the wider. I mean, when you have DK Metcalf as listed as number seven, what that tells you is that the wide receiver class is just really deep. Um, so for you know my five again, it's same as yours. It's Adam Hill's uh, Adam Hill. Diggs, Hopkins, and Ridley. Um, then, honestly, no specific order. You could justify taking any of those guys as your number one pick for mm-hmm. your wide receiver. <clears throat> and then for sleepers, yeah, I put Keenan Allen as well. Keenan Allen is a fantastic wide receiver in in the NFL, and he doesn't he does time that I think he should get, and maybe it's just because. I- see him all the time because they play the Raiders uh, twice a year but I swear is the most hated person in- <laughs> I watch him play I'm just like well there he goes he's open again and again and again and again and again and he just keeps getting open over again he was two years he was eight yards away from a thousand yard reception <laughs> uh season last uh last year I mean, he had games that were 16, 30, 14, 22, 21, 25, 34, 16, 20. Uh, the guy's a monster, and he's listed really low on the fantasy app for projected points. Like, I think he's out of the top. He may be outside of the top 20. Uh, really? Which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, yeah, he's definitely outside of the top. That's shocking. Robert Woods is above him. Now, I know I had Robert Woods last year, but Antonio Brown is above him. Russell Gage is above him, which I don't understand at all. I don't understand that at all. Um, so, sleepers, I put uh, Amari, Amari Cooper. Um, also another guy who he's just always consistent, and I was looking at his numbers from last year. Well, again, even though Dak was gone, he still had – season last year. I mean, <laughs> well, maybe not in the touchdowns marks, and that's probably going to be because Dak was out. He only had five touchdowns last year, but he had eleven. He had eleven hundred reception yards last year. So I would imagine with Dak being back, that he's probably going to get a lot more end zone uh, targets. The Cowboys just weren't scoring a lot of touchdowns after Dak left, so that's not really his fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even with the the craziness that was Dallas's quarterback situation. Again, still having 1,100 yards. Amari's going to be a solid pick for anybody. And then Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson from Pittsburgh, I put as a leader as well. Again, not a guy whose name, name but I was looking, looking at his stats last year as well. 923 yards, seven touchdowns. Had a lot of really big games, 23 points, 29, 23, 23, 21, 19, 21, 12, um, 14. Had some big receptions uh, in terms of yardages uh, last year. And, you know, he had a couple games mixed in there where he had less than one point, less than 1.0, 1.8. So there were a couple games in there where he didn't have a great 
uh, amount of production. But I think that was probably because, you know, Chase Claypool was there as well. Uh, and I would and imagine Juju. that. Yeah, and Juju. And, I, you know, there are just going to be games where one of them, when you have those three weapons, one of them is not going to get the love, the same amount of love as the other two. So when you draft him, obviously you know you have two other big-name wide receivers there. But, again, having 900 reception yards while still dealing with the other two wide receivers there, that's still pretty good. So, mm-hmm. so, um, so that kind of wraps up in terms of our top tens. Listen, I'll, Sam, I'll ask you, going into the draft on Sunday, what, what's, what's kind of your strategy? Let's break this down. Like, what, 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 what's your mindset going in? All right. So, Jason, I don't know about you, but I am all about limiting uncertainty with my team. And yeah. I feel like to do that, I need two upper, upper echelon, two top 10 running backs on my team. If I'm going to have success, I want two top 10 running backs or at least one top five and maybe a top 15 running back. So then I can for sure say that I'm at least getting 20 points from a guy and 10 to 15 points every single week. So I know that that's going to be there because then hopefully I'm not so reliant on the uncertainty of having really good wide receivers because I know what I'm getting from Devonta Adams. I know what I'm getting from Stefan Diggs. I know what I'm getting from Hill Hopkins. Uh, I'd like to say maybe Thomas in his prime, but that might be five that I know for certain will go off for more than 50. I think I would put Ridley probably up there too, but everyone yeah. else could give me a dud. And I really, really want to limit that in my team as much as possible. I don't want to bank on a guy having a big week. Like last year, I was so reliant on Tyler Lockett giving me a lot of points, which he did one week. And then he gave me less than five for three straight weeks. And it was the most frustrating thing (laughs) because all I'm getting is, Oh, Tyler Lockett's projected to get 16 points this week. And then he goes out and gets one catch for 10 yards and that's it. And it was like, well, that is just the wide receiver position because they are so reliant. But the running back, they get the ball handed to them, and they have it, and then it's theirs. There, there doesn't need to be there, – there's no shutdown corner that can shut down a running back's production. So that for me, I put a lot more stock into high running back play over wide receiver play. So I'm going to – I mean, I'm just going to tell you straight up. I would look for running backs earlier than wide receivers. Yeah, see, I'm I'm looking for that as well. So let me ask you: in the first three, when are you thinking of drafting your first wide receiver? Round two, three, four? Roll round two, three, or four? So truthfully, I think so. I'm just gonna give you give you a little feel here. So I'm probably gonna go running back first. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm I'm leaning towards. Maybe depending on who's there, depending on depending where I'm picking. Maybe if I'm picking later. I have an ability to go back to back with running backs where I could get say an Austin Eckler and a uh, probably like a James Robinson or something like that back to back. Right. And then I'm probably going to look for the best wide receiver available or um, if Kittle is there, cause I don't think Waller or Kelsey are going to be there in the third round, maybe Kittle coming off of an injury will. Or I'll look for one of those top three tight ends in, within the first two rounds. 
Because right. I think they are going to be so important. They just act as another wide receiver pretty much. So I think the, they are going to be so important. And then I might get to round three or four looking wide receiver at that point. Yeah, see, I'm I'm looking – I'm really going to try to get a, a two good running backs round two and three. Uh, I Well, here's the thing. I might – I'm definitely going running back round one. Round two, my plan is to go running back as well. And then depending on where I'm drafting, because you mentioned if you're drafting late, then you do have the ability to have more certainty on who you're going to get like back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think drafting number one is like the worst spot you can be in. Well, um, I mean, I wouldn't, I would not be mad getting Alvin Kamara. I really wouldn't. I be. wouldn't, I wouldn't either, but there's just so much that go, so many players that are off the board. See, if I'm, if I'm drafting, Above five, I probably go wide receiver because I'll get either Adams, Diggs, or Hill. Like I'll get one of the one of the five best wide receivers. I'll for sure get. If I can get Adams, I'm probably gonna take him just because of the amount of production that he gave you. Like, did he even have an off week last last year? I mean, I don't know. He wasn't on my team. Um I had Diggs last year, and Diggs was huge for me. Um, I got him super late, too. It was funny because I had mentioned to you before the draft, I was I, I told you I was going to look at Diggs mm-hmm. now that he was in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I was like, dude, he's going to get all the targets. I remember mm-hmm. telling you that. And I think I got him like around like three or four. I was like, yep, there he is. I, I knew it. He was going to slip. And sure enough, and that I don't have the luxury of sneaking digs anymore. Um, I got away with it once. I won't be able to get away with it again. Um, but I seriously, seriously, depending on who's there, I wouldn't be opposed to going running backs one, two, three. I would not. Um, that's not my plan. That's you got to get a QB plan. at some point. That's not, well, I, I was talking about because I – the way that I'm either going to go is going to go running back one, two, three, wide receiver four, five. Yeah. But I think my, in a perfect world, depending on who's there in a perfect world, I would love to do kind of what I did last year was running back one, two wide receiver three tight end or wide receiver four. And then, you know, cause I, I would like to have the way that I did it last year was two running backs two wide receivers and one quarterback through the first five. Right. That was the way that I went about it. And it, cause I wanted to try to be as even as I could. Mm-hmm. And it served me well last year, but again, I was also in a league with somebody else who went running back like super heavy and obliterated everybody. So I, I don't know. Yeah. So well, I mean, we are in a PPR league, so it is, um, Wide receivers can be pretty critical. That's the tough thing, too, though. We've talked about it. The running back position is so deep, though. So you may – could push it to – you could go one with a running back, and then you could wait all the way to three, and you can still get like a Chris Carson, Jonathan Taylor, uh, maybe even a David Montgomery that late, maybe even – I think Aaron Jones was taken in the third round last year. If you can get mm-hmm. that kind of value out of a third round running back, 
it's there. I mean, Antonio Gibson's probably going to be there too. Like, there's going to be guys. Raheem Moster. I don't even know if he's going to be the number one in San Francisco's backfield, but if he is and he's the one getting the primary carries, that's a pretty valuable piece to get at the later rounds. Yeah. Yeah. And it will depend on who is there, obviously. Um, but I mean, man, this, it, it's going to be, it really does come down to where you're at, you know? <laughs> yeah. I really when want more. I'd love to get Kittle this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you see who the number one projected point getter <laughs> Really? Yeah. Look at it. Yeah, Travis Kelsey is listed as uh, the the number one uh, this year. Out of anyone? Anyone. What? How did that make sense? Well, maybe because he had 1,400 yards last year and 11 touchdowns. How many points did he have last year? 312. <laughs> no, he's not going for close to 400. Well, still, <laughs> I mean, there's no he, way that's going to be an error. But the guy was averaging. I mean, I'm looking at his. I'm looking at it from last year in terms of points: 17, 24, 14, 10, 24, 21, 6, 5, 26, 16, 27, 27, 22, 22, and then he sat out the last game. I mean, he was in the 20s pretty much every week. And there, there's an extra game this year, but still, there's no way. Wouldn't that yeah. mean that that Patrick Mahomes is also close? He's number two. Over? No, Josh Allen is. Not in not in this app. Not in our fantasy app. The I'm on NFLFantasy.com, and it says Josh Allen is number two. Yeah, I'm looking at the. Uh... NFL fantasy app and Josh Allen is four. <laughs> wow, whatever. Yeah, I'm super excited. <laughs> so I did. I did a little little top five. I gotta give the tight end some love. I put Waller. I think will be number one. Kelsey at two. Kittle three. And I think it's like pretty much who's ever left at that point. I I guess yeah. four would be Mike Mike Gisecki. Gisecki. Mm-hmm. He actually had a really good year and some. In he some did. games, he had some some big games. Uh, I think just like Gasecki, you're not going to be able to really rely on him every single week, but Robert Tunyon gave you some big games last year if you owned him, and he put up a lot of points. I mean, those guys, they're the best of the rest, I guess. Yeah. Um, I heard – I was listening to Greeny a little while back, and he – was talking about in terms of like a sleeper tight end pick for um fantasy. Who was what was I um Kyle Pitts? No, he dude Kyle, Kyle Pitts he is may, gonna be sick because Kyle Ky, Kyle Pitts might um might not end up being a um a sleeper. Oh. Yeah. So where was ah? So he was saying that uh. Tight end Pat Fryer, um, who Fryermuth, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, drafted him this year, and in the game who, the other night, I think his name is uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Um, he uh, 
from everything that Green and this is coming from Greeny, he was talking about coming out of the draft. People were talking about how this dude is like literally a baby Gronk, like -hmm. in terms of how he's built and the way that he moves. And I think the other night uh, against Pittsburgh, I think he had two touchdowns. Um, He was just talking about how he's going to be, he's going to be most likely a big red zone target for, for Ben. So like if nobody drafts him, then towards the very, very end of the draft, maybe try to pick him up because mm-hmm. there's a potential that he could be one of Big Ben's like big, big red zone targets. Mm-hmm. I'll see if I can find um, the game uh, from the other night. But yeah, so look out for look out for big old Pat over there. <clears throat> where where big is old Pat? So I wrote I wrote down at the bottom here. I wrote down like just general sleepers. So um, I thought the three, three guys taken in the, this rookie class for wide receivers, Jamar Chase, uh, Waddle and Smith. I think those guys would be really good pickups at the wide receiver, wide receiver position. It's like if Jamar Chase is actually like Julio Jones incarnate or Megatron incarnate, and he's getting thrown to Joe Burrow. Incarnation? Well, he's, he's Megatron incarnate. Okay. Okay. So that that could be high high risk, pretty I mean pretty high reward, low risk. Those guys could be your two or threes and could turn into I mean, look at Justin Jefferson this last year. That was his rookie year and he just balled out. Uh mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts, I don't even know if it's a sleeper, but I think he is super interesting. If you were to pick him up maybe in a middle middle rounds for the tight end position, he might not even go that far just because of how weak the tight end position tight end position is. Um, I think a guy like Michael Pittman for the Colts, he could be the Colts' number one this year just because of the deterioration of game that we saw from T.Y. Hilton. Michael Pittman and everybody in this – I've been listening to a lot of Pat McAfee show, and he gets uh, uh, the GM and the coach of the Colts on, and they both, by name, rave about Michael Pittman and his abilities and how he's getting on this year. So that could be a – I mean, if the team likes him, then he's going to get a lot of targets. That's a big thing. Right. Uh, this is a little little selfish, a little biased, but Brandon Ayuk for the Niners had a great rookie year. Hopefully get some consistent quarterback play. That's really what he's hinging on because he is such a player that all he needs is the ball in his hands and he's going to produce for you. It's going to be yards after catch. It's going to be touchdowns. He can be a good option, especially as a wide receiver two or flex for a PPR league and a guy that might go a little bit unfor a little bit forgotten this year will be Will Fuller, especially because he's coming, he's going to be coming off of a six game suspension. So there will be teams that are really having a tough time, maybe have a hole in their wide receiver core that have a high waiver wire position that can really pick up this guy in a Miami offense that. Well, I think will be pretty explosive, especially with Waddle, him, and Devontae Parker. Hopefully, Tua takes that next step. We see like a sort of Jared Goff type sophomore season to where he looked really ineffective his rookie year, and then he looks completely different his his next year. Hopefully, he's a little more confident in that QB position in Miami to where he's just slinging it, and we see really that guy that everyone thought we were going to get out of the draft. That would be a nice pickup for some 
from teams to think about, and maybe you don't necessarily even need to draft him. Yeah, maybe not. So that's it. That's why those are the things I, I thought about. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm super excited for for Sunday. I am very much looking forward to, you know, the it's always fun. Like the draft is always for me, like the most fun part of the season. Like it always, the season itself is always fun, but there's so much uncertainty and this could happen and this could happen during the draft. And you're just kind of like, you're just, you obviously don't know who people are going to pick and you're like, okay, I'm going to get this guy. And then two seconds later, he's gone. And you're like, well, there go my chances of winning this league kind of thing. And then you kind of try to figure out ways to scrap together a good team. Mm -hmm. And it's it's always a good time. So are you going to be able to do um, like log on to zoom and do it live? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, uh, I think that's going to be, it's going to be so much fun to have like people like, Literally, I'm going to pick, oh, with the number one pick, I take Alvin Kamara and then immediately go into the Zoom and Brendan and Bryson are just lighting me up. Wait, that's such an awful pick. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is, I think, going to be such an interesting aspect of this. And it's going to really amp up the pressure. I didn't like, even know hey. we were doing a Zoom. Yeah, dude. I didn't even know that. It wasn't in the, the group it, chat, so I didn't it see was. it. Do you want me to find it? It was. Do you want me to put you on the spot? Maybe. Um, do you want to get into what I had a conversation for you that I really was interested in asking yeah. you about? It, it doesn't have to be a long conversation, but I think it's a very general sports conversation. Mm-hmm. All right. So over this these last three days, we had the Bay Bridge series, right? We had A's, Giants in Oakland. And the Giants ended up winning the last two games from late pinch-hitting home runs. Both times the A's were up, and within the ninth inning on, I guess it was Sunday, and then the eighth inning on Saturday, both times the Giants hit pinch-hitting home two-run home runs and ended up winning the games. As a sports fan, would you rather see your team lose in that way, losing the team, losing the lead late in a tight game? and barely losing, or would you rather see your team get blown out? Well, it certainly hurts more when it gets yanked away from you at the very end. Um, But at least in that sense, you're more involved in the entire game because as a Raiders fan, I can tell you there have been plenty of games that I have not watched after the first quarter. Uh, (laughs) So the game is just always more fun when you're able to watch the entire thing and be genuinely invested and interested in it in the entire game. And like I said, as a Raider fan, I feel like I have a very good perspective on that aspect because they've gotten blown out plenty of times in my mm-hmm. lifetime and it's always more fun to watch them when they're actually in the game. Cause, and maybe it's just because I'm a Raider fan and I just kind of look around and I go, wow, they're act- they're in the game. <laughs> um, now over the last, over the last couple of years, they haven't been great, but they've been competitive for the most part in a lot of their games, um, which has been a nice change of pace. Um, but I would much rather be, have my team be in the game the entire time and then lose at the very end, because at least then selfishly, you know, I get to at least have a good time and experience watching the entire game and be genuinely invested in the entire game, as opposed to 
you know, just just getting blown out from the start. So say it's the Super Bowl or the championship of whatever sport it is. Would your feelings change? No, because I want to watch the whole Super Bowl. I don't want to. I don't want to sit there and after the first quarter go great. It's over. Like we, we, I was so excited to get to this game, and it's over basically before it started. Is it easier to swallow that pill as a fan of the team? Or well, like I said, I think it hurts more when you get blown when you uh, lose at the very end. That obviously is going to hurt more. Because, you know, up until that point, you think you're going to win, and then, boom, you don't. It did not feel but, good when the Niners lost against the Chiefs, no, I'll tell you I, that. I would have, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine not. So I, I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt more, because I think losing at the very end does, but at least, at least you still get to experience the entire game and enjoy watching your team for the whole thing. So I think this, this question changes a little bit when you think of it well, I, I think it, it changes for me. I would rather see – I can wrap my head around my team getting blown out as opposed to losing it late like that. Because I think there is that level of um, detaching yourself as a fan. Like you said, like you're going to stop watching. Like that's easier as a fan to just be like, oh, nope, I'm taking myself out of that. Like, I'm no longer uh, watching. I'm no longer into that game. I'm, I'm done with it. Like, that's it. We move on. But then, like, if you're a player or you're part of that organization, no question you want – would you rather the blowout in a championship or to lose late? Say, like, on a – you're up one, 99-98, and you lose on a buzzer beater. Uh, I, I think probably, well, probably lose on a buzzer beater as a fan. Yeah. Again, like I said, I just go back to, I would much rather have enjoyed the entire game than been done from the very start, from the very beginning. Does it change as a player for you? Say you're a player of that team. See, that's tough. Um, because my career, my basketball career ended on a buzzer beater. So we can, uh, we can go, we can go football. We can, we can take it away from that. We can take it away from the Yuba City tragedy. Well, I mean, and, and, but as a player, I mean, that's the closest thing that I can. Oh, actually, you know what? Perfect example is our senior year football. We got blown out in mm-hmm. the playoffs. And then mm-hmm. for basketball, I lost on a buzzer beater. And it was much easier to swallow as a player the blowout mm-hmm. than it was the 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 loss in terms of basketball right at the buzzer beater. Now, basketball was my favorite sport. It meant a significant, um, significantly more amount to me than the football game did. Not to not to say that the football game didn't mean a lot to me. It did. But yeah. I'm sorry, if you put a gun to my head and said, pick a sport, I would pick basketball 10 out of 10 in terms of what my favorite sport to play was. Um, but, yeah, as a player, it was much easier to swallow that playoff loss as much as it sucked. And oh, it was, dude, it was awful. It was terrible, and the locker room was just horrible afterward. It was so sad. Um, well, what was the locker but, room like after the basketball game? 
I think, well, I think for a lot of us, it was worse because we, I was, when going into the second half of that game, because we had a big, as big of a lead as we did, I was like, I was like, we would, we, I was like, we got this. We are playing so well. We just have to keep our, our foot on the gas and, and we got this. We have them figured out. And then obviously they had that one guy who went supernova in the second half. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I just, I think as a player, it was, it was easier to swallow the football loss because we, at least in my head, I was able to prepare for it, mm-hmm. you know, like second half came around third quarter ended and I was like, okay, yeah, I think this, I think this one's out. I think this is, I think this is it up until for, for, the, for those who don't know, we were down by like 50. At this point, we, we got so, blown out. So we were we, we were getting out. shellacked on our home field, but and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the it honestly wasn't our our players' fault. Our coach, our defensive coach, and I'll I feel fine putting this on him. Made a an adjustment that just didn't work. <laughs> totally, ch- we had the number one defense in the league that year, and we made an adjustment um, in terms of adjusting our coverage. Uh, to a team that was supposed to be run heavy, who ended up throwing all over us. Um, so, yeah. So it, it just that adjustment that that he made just didn't didn't work with basketball. You know, up until the last point two seconds of the game, we were moving on to the next round. Yeah. You know. So that was our mindset. Obviously, like we're we're moving on, and then boom, it was taken taken away. Right. Um. So as a fan, I would much rather lose at the buzzer. As a player, I'd rather get blown out because at least then I could prepare for it. Hmm. I think so. I, I think of it a little bit of the opposite because as a player, I think you you're able to take more positives from a game that you barely barely lost. Like you played better in that game, and you can take that, right? Well. Yes, and I get what you're saying, and I was thinking about that as I sort of finished the statement. So I understand that, but in terms of like, if I'm if I'm thinking of from an emotional standpoint, what's easier than getting blown out? I think is easier just because, again, and I've been on both sides of it, and I I just well, actually, you've been on both sides, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, definitely. Because of volleyball, mm-hmm. right? A couple times, at least at least with the the, the sections, right? So first so year. so junior year, so lost sections, sophomore and junior. But junior year, we ended up losing sections. Uh, we're getting blown out. We lose the first two sets, and then we ended up winning the next two, um, and lose by two in the fifth. Whatever. That's a close. That's a close loss, right? Team played really well. We ended up. I mean, we played well enough to win. We won two sets against this team, and then. All we needed was two more points and limiting them to two points and we would have won. So that's like, you can really hang your hat. And then I think it makes you go back to certain plays more in those tight games. Like it's, it, it puts more emphasis on like, Oh, I could have done this better. I could have done that. But in blowouts, it's like, I just didn't play well. Like no one played well. There was nothing good about that game. Uh, And I think later in that, later in that year, we went on to play Bellarmine in, uh, in the NorCal, um, like tournament it wasn't the finals or anything i think it was the first round i know it was the second round we, we beat uh we beat de la salle in the first round and then we played bellerman next and was it bellerman yeah 
it was I think I'm butchering this, but they ended up like just destroying us three sets. It wasn't even close. I don't even think we got um within I think we may be close in the first set, but after that, like we were just smacked. And it just felt like it felt like there was a sense like, wait, this is over? Like it doesn't even feel like we played today. Like it doesn't even feel like the team showed up today. That's how bad we got blown. Like it was like, holy cow, like I just went through that. Like my game, I wasn't in it. Like that's how it felt. That's how bad that performance was. Do you do you do you feel that a little bit, maybe in that football game? Yeah, I under, I understand that. And I don't it's it's so tough because there are a couple of different ways to look at it. You look at it from, you know, like I was saying, an emotional standpoint versus like an actual sports performance standpoint. Because mm-hmm. um, I look back at the basketball game and I go, That was one of my better games of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, hell, I even yeah, I even look back at I even look back at that last play. I mean, the guy, the guy who I was in full disclosure, I think I've told the story on this podcast. I think you have too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the guy who I was guarding the entire game was the guy who made the last shot. It was over my hand. He had only scored two points the entire game. He was like their number, I think like one or two option um, on the team. And I, com- I completely took him out of the game, yeah. the entire game. And he was a, a non-factor. And they called an isolation at the end of the game, which I was so excited that they did that. I was like, I got this. There's no way There's no way he gets this. Um, and, you know, he was a right-handed player. I forced him left. We were in the bonus fouls, so I couldn't foul him. So I actually couldn't play as aggressively as I wanted to. I couldn't get in his chest because – we were up by one at that point, so if I foul him, then he could make two free throws and they can win the game. So there's no reason for me to be in his chest, so I give him a little bit of space. But he drives right, I stop him, he goes left, and then he does this like half like floater jumper kind of off the wrong foot, and it just it looked like a prayer, mm-hmm. and it just bounced off the backboard and went right in. Like my hand was right in his face. Mm-hmm. And I look back at that play and it was one of those things where I went home that very same night and I watched it, that play like over and over again. I was like, I was right there. I really was right there. Um, and so from, from an athletic performance standpoint, yeah, getting blown out, you can at least look back and pull positive moments from that. And no, say, look, well, when you, when you lose tight, you can. Yeah, I'm sorry. Down. Yeah. When you lose tight, you can look back and you go, well, you know, I mean, we played well, we were right there. And you're right, you do end up looking at more specific plays like that one. You know, that's not why we lost the game, but it is quote unquote. I mean, that's why we lost the game, you know? You know what I'm saying? No, I totally get it. Uh, I, I can you even think of a play in like can you even think of a play in a blowout? Like I can think of plays in those section finals where we lost just because they were so like so monumentous, I guess, in my sporting career back then yeah. like they just felt bigger where i messed up like i remember plays in when we lost to granite bay in sections of when i hit out or when i got blocked or when i got tooled or something like that like i remember those but up until you even bring it up that i got blown out in uh volleyball i can't even remember a play from that bellerman game right right so it, i mean it's but that would mean that it's, it was easier to swallow, right? It was easier <laughs> to forget. You just totally blocked it. Yeah, you it was just easy, totally yeah, blocked it. Was, it. Yeah, I, uh, I, it was it, just an interesting conversation that I thought of. I mean, I, I wanted, we have both 
the perspective. I mean, we're of course not professionals, but it's it's the same. It's a game, man. Is we're all playing the yeah, same. Yeah, that games. Did, that didn't. Yeah, that doesn't that, that doesn't mean that it didn't mean as much to yeah. us during the time. So, well, I we're mean, not going to paycheck on our it, life. But... <laughs> well, but that but again, it's not a job at that point. You know, we're doing know. it because we love it. So, yeah. Um, I mean, and that be... was that was our life. It's an interesting if if people have I always I often forget that people actually listen to this but if you if you guys out there are listening to this and you um, have other people in your life that are interested are into sports like talk, like ask this conference I think it's a it's a good conversation of what as a fan and as a player if you participate in sports like what you would want to go through those two extremes. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of people listening to this, we're getting to the close of we're getting to the uh, almost the end of this episode. Right. Um, Sam and I have taken steps finally to get this YouTube channel working and up and running. Um, episode 100 is coming up and Sam, I feel like if we, if we take maybe a week off after this episode and take two weeks to at least figure out a way to get, um, a video file up on YouTube for the Mm -hmm. show as episode quote unquote 100, um, then from there we can at least try to build it from episode 100. Do you want yeah. to, do you want to try to make episode 100 the first YouTube video? And I'm putting you on the spot live on our, this right now, but yeah, I think that, um, would, that would definitely be the thing to kick us into gear. Um, I would uh, tentatively say that would be ideal, but if we can't make it work, then we can't miss um, the start of the regular the NFL regular season. So if it's right. good and we're comfortable that we can make it look good and all that we want, then let's go for it. But if we're not comfortable with that, then we always got people in the pod. Right. So, all right. So we'll put that out there right now. We will probably end up taking next week off. Um, the football season starts on, it's not this weekend, but the weekend after. Um, so we'll, our, episode is going to line up right with that season. Um, so that'll be perfect for episode 100. And then, it, yeah, like Sam said, if we can try to at least get something up there that is watchable, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. then we'll, uh, we'll put an episode up on YouTube and then we'll start trying to get the YouTube channel up and running. So we got to get it done before the first game. Uh, we got to, no, we got to do predictions. We do have to do uh well we can make predictions on our own off off air and then read what we had predicted and then results um and um, just I, have that be a one-time thing <laughs> who's who's opening it's bucks and dallas Is that who's opening yeah what a weird opening give me the bucks season game <laughs> give me the <laughs> yo give me the bucks plus three and a half let's go yeah so i mean you and i can make predictions off air and then we'll read who won week one if we miss picks live then that's fine but uh we really do need to start getting this uh this channel up and running we've talked to you guys about it before i know this podcast isn't the biggest podcast in the world um but we're gonna try to we're gonna try to build it through youtube if we can so um and just kind of still this has always been something that has just been fun for for Sam and I to talk about sports and, you know, the fact that at least some people still listen to it is, is still fun. So. Yeah. We want to, I think um, it'd be so cool to get like 
more people listening. And even, I think my, I think I've said this to Jason before, but it would be so awesome if we could incorporate like fan questions and comments into the show and like different interactive things like that. I think it would be so awesome. Polls, polls even of what people, what fans are thinking. I think that'd be so cool. And to get that, having a, like a almost bigger, but like still loyal family. Cause this is awesome. What we're getting now and this is the groundwork and it'd be just so cool to grow that. Yeah. I think we have really good ideas. Um, and I think we got good ideas. I think we got. I think we got good ideas, and then I think I, at least, at least, the back. no, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't say. At least in terms of, I think we have good ideas for um, what we want the channel to be. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, in in that sense, um, and you know, we actually do put. It's tough because you know, with with this, there's only so much work that you can put into it but we do put quite a bit of work into figuring out what segments we want to do and all that other stuff and um you know we're going to try to make the youtube channel as as best we can i i'm going to start trying to look into how to make graphics so it may not it's not going to look super polished at the beginning but at least it'll be there and it'll be cool to to look back at that first episode that we put on youtube and go okay well that's where we started and then we'll see where we are and yeah over the course of time so i mean think think back to when we started the just audio podcast i mean it was rough yeah it was rough <laughs> because it of how bad, bad you were i mean that was really i'm i'm so glad like you've grown so much you know right right so what you're saying is that the show is now only good because of me that's why um i think so so what <laughs> i think is um i was lebron and i really <laughs> needed uh like my anthony davis to grow up in the moment to really get us to that spot but i was lebron the whole time you know Right, right. But you still couldn't win. Well, I had three rings before, but yeah, yeah, I couldn't oh, win. You're oh, right. okay, right. okay, 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 sure, sure. sure okay. <laughs> but you like realize I, you, had a Ky- you had a Kyrie before that, and you had a Bosch and a Wade, so. Yeah, but we're talking about you. We're talking about you, Anthony Davis. We're not talking about, uh, yeah. uh, my legacy is set, you know. We're talking okay, about you. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to uh, – we'll take next week off, and then we will try to get this episode 100 uh, up on YouTube uh, for you guys. And I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, to see where this goes. So uh, bear with us. Bear with us if the first episode is a little bit, uh, a little bit raw. I'm going to be looking at how to make graphics and how to get all that uh, set up. And um, I have a semester before I really get into full-time um, – at school this semester is not full-time so i'll have a little bit of extra time on my hands and try to figure it out so um yeah and sam's now graduated so um we have sam is unemployed (laughs) and that too so (sighs) so we'll uh we'll figure it out so thank you all for listening uh and we'll actually let's save the spider-man talk for episode 100 i think that would actually be a lot of fun for because i think one episode 100 is going to be at the same time, like a sports episode, but also kind of a, a celebratory. Hey, we made it to 100, so um, yeah. we'll have some fun stuff in there as well. So, and you know, we, we've right. said this now the last couple episodes, but we didn't do what teams we would root for if we didn't root for our teams. But we don't, you know, we don't even have to do that conversation anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see where episode one. We'll see where episode 100 takes. We'll see where the wind takes us. All right. Well, have a good uh, rest of your week, guys. Uh, Have a good week after that, and we will see you all hopefully on YouTube.
And good luck in your fantasy seasons. Draft well, everyone. That too. That too. Take our advice and you win your league. That's all I have to say. See ya!